0: Welcome to the first of our IMI podcast series, showcasing some of the world's leading thinkers in business. This month features Rasmus Hugard, founder of The Potential Project, who talked to our members about the mindfulness of a leader and the importance of focus on productivity. Time. So... I have been uh, having this uh, fantastic experience of working in the corporate world for about 15 years. I was a researcher, then I went into the corporate world, and then I realized that people were really missing out on their potential of being high performing and having well-being. So I started establishing this thing of bringing mindfulness into organizations. I have done that over the past 10 years. Uh, We're now in 28 countries, so a fairly large organization of around 200 people. And we work with some of the largest organizations in the world, training their leaders to be more present, more calm-minded, more focused, and basically more effective. But what we realized about three years ago was that mindfulness, as great as that is, it's not enough, obviously. So we ventured out on this research journey, spent uh, two and a half years together with Harvard Business Review, trying to figure out what is needed in today's day and age from leaders to really create a high engagement, to really create organizations that are flourishing both on the bottom line, but also in the culture. So that's what I'll be sharing a little bit about for the next uh, 55 minutes, and then uh, David will uh, moderate a Q&A towards the end. Does that sound okay? So what I'll do is I'll start shortly with a bit of the research, some of the findings, do a short mindfulness practice, just because that's useful if you haven't done that before. And then I'll jump into some really practical tips on how to become a more mindful leader, how to manage yourself better in the way that you're managing your people. So first of all, The first realization we had when we started this research project, and it was a fairly large one with a fairly large group of people, including two from Ireland, Grattan, who's sitting down here, and Stephen, who is sitting over there. Uh, They were part of it. We found that there's a massive leadership crisis. Tara mentioned a few of these uh, numbers uh, this morning. There's a strong lack of engagement. Only 13% of the workforce is engaged, and 24 is actively disengaged. That's like such a shocking number that there are more people in your organizations that is actively working against the direction of the organization without you knowing it. That's not a good thing. There's a lot of suffering. 65% of employees would forego a pay raise to see their leader fired. (laughs) That's not great either. And then there's a strong lack of leadership. McKinsey did a survey of uh, 350 people, managers and employees of organizations And as you can see the data up here, 77% of leaders think that they're really doing well in engaging and motivating their folks. And then when they ask their folks, 82% of them find that the leaders are not engaging. There's a massive discrepancy in how leaders perceive themselves and how they're perceived by their people. There's really a leadership crisis nowadays. I don't know if this is applicable for Ireland. Let's just say this is definitely in the U.S. Is that okay? Very good. So what we did was we, with Harvard Business Review, we assessed uh, 35,000 leaders from, I don't know how many organizations, but a lot. We interviewed more than 250 executives from Microsoft and McKinsey and Google and some of those organizations that you normally consider they're doing well. Uh, And then we worked with leading researchers and 350 large organizations to really figure out what is needed from leaders nowadays. Four overall things that I'll just share that we found. The first one was really, really basic. This whole old ideal of the heroic MBA leader taking his or her MBA, his MBA by the way, putting on the hat, getting on the horse, riding into the organization and saving the bottom line and everything, that's just like so dead. It just doesn't exist anymore. We heard it from the panel this morning again collaboration, engagement, inclusion, all of those things is way more important than being big, strong, and powerful nowadays. The John Wayne of leadership doesn't exist. I think we can all agree on that, right? The second thing that we found was that there is a massive global movement happening right now in very large organizations. Some of them are up here of creating more people-centric leadership and more people-centric cultures. This morning I just had a HBR article coming out uh, and I can't remember the title of it because they changed it to something that I was thinking, why did they call it that? But anyway, it's about being human in your leadership role, letting go of your status, letting go of hierarchy, letting go of having power and leading through inclusion, leading through motivation. So rather than being a status, being something, you're just a human being. And that's a massive global movement that we see in these organizations and many, many more. The third thing that we found was that leadership development and training in generally has it slightly backwards. So often when there is talk about leadership like in MBA programs, there's a strong focus on how do I lead the organization? So starting with the organizational level, which is funny because it's almost like I need to build a house. I'll start with a roof. You don't start with the roof. You start with the foundation. What we found that if you want to be a leader that has impact, first of all, you need to understand yourself because if you don't understand yourself, if you don't understand your unconscious biases, if you don't understand your empathy patterns, if you don't understand how you operate, you can't lead yourself. Does that make sense? You need to understand yourself to lead yourself. And only when you understand yourself and lead yourself can you understand the people that you're leading and thereby lead them more effectively. And only when you can do that can you start to understand the culture that you're leading and thereby lead that culture and lead that organization. So leadership really starts in the mind. It starts with our self-awareness and our self-management. Make sense? And then the last thing that we found was out of all these surveys and assessments and interviews, what is really important for leaders today? And there were three things that came up, mindfulness, selflessness, and compassion. Mindfulness, selflessness, and compassion. I know that all sounds really, really soft. It's not. In leadership, what I found is often the soft things are the ones that are really, really hard. Being kind to somebody when giving really harsh critique is really, really hard. What I'll focus on today is mindfulness and specifically mindful leadership. I'll share a bit of the business case. Why is it so important today? And then give examples of how specific leaders that you probably know most of them, how they deal with it. So mindfulness, just defining that to start off with is the combination of focus and awareness. So being present with focus, focus on the task and awareness of my own emotions, my own thoughts, my own values, awareness of other people's emotions, values, thoughts, processes, and so on. That combination. So that's really what mindfulness is. And mindfulness is really important. There are a few slides here that some of you might have seen before. Mindfulness is really important. The business case is basically, we're living in this paid reality where we are, sorry, where we are pressured always on, information overloaded and distracted. How many of you can tick at least three of those four boxes in your experience of your work life? Hands up. Okay, pretty much everybody. The downside of this paid reality is that we are starting to suffer from attention deficit trade. A large study from Harvard found that people who are working in organizations are simply losing their ability to pay attention. Their presence, their focus, their attention, their awareness is declining. And they even put a number of this. So if you just have a, a, a rough guess here, how much percent of our time on average do you think that we are wandering away mentally from what we're doing involuntarily, simply absent-mindedness? How much of our time? Any good guesses? 40? 60? Kind of in between. 47 percent. Some may be relieved. (laughs) Don't be relieved because this actually means half of the time you're really not paying attention. Have you been paying attention to the panel this morning? Do you remember everything they said? Or Tara's great conversation and talk? So half of our time we're basically not present with what we're doing. Our mind is involuntarily somewhere else. And. If you take this and put it into a work-life perspective, you at work, half of the time you're mindful, making conscious choices, stronger sense of control, more resilient, focused, and so on. And when we're not paying attention, we're unmindful, we're distracted, we're on autopilot, we're more stressed. And that's what we see today. We ask leaders about their state of mindfulness and presence these 35,000 people. And 73% of them feel unmindful most of the time. Unmindful most of the time. Most of them would like to be more mindful. As a result, 67% of leaders describe their minds as cluttered. There's just too much up there. Just with a raise of hands, how many of you feel like you're sitting right now with a fairly serene, clear mind? One, two, three, four, five, great. Oh, one guy, thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. 65% of respondents fail to complete their task as a result of not being focused on what they're doing. And the biggest source of distractions are demands of others, competing priorities, general distractions, and too big of a workload. So I think much of this is fairly, it's, it's, it's quite intuitive. Does this seem surprising to you? No. So in this paid reality, as leaders, we just have so much on that our mind is suffering. So we basically enter what we call an attention economy. Today, it's not enough to be smart and have have the right skills and have time. That's how we used to measure productivity. But today, we need to have the ability to have a strong attention, strong focus, clear presence with what we're doing. Without that, we'll never be really effective. Does that make sense? And attention really matters, because as leaders, we're trying to deliver results. Results come from actions, actions come from the choices that we make, and choices come from being able to pay attention. So if 47% of the time we're really not paying attention, the chain is broken, and we won't get the results that we're looking for. Quite logic, but does it make sense to you guys? Right, okay. So then the question is how attentive are you? I've done this test in this room once before. If you were there, you will know pretty much how it's going to go, but I'm going to ask you to test yourself. How is your level of attention? So most of your leaders maybe in the paid reality, maybe having attention deficit trait. Are you game for a little test? Great. So I'll make it easy for you by asking you to close your eyes. I uh, trust me, that will make it a little bit easier. So close your eyes and for the next 45 seconds, focus on one Thoughts, it can be thought of something I've said, or anything else, just only focus on that. If any other thoughts come into your mind, don't think them. If you get distracted by sounds, don't listen to them. 45 seconds starting now. Okay, so you can let go of that thought if you're still thinking of it. And then please turn to your neighbor and share how it went. Were you just completely clear focused or did anything else happen? And if so, share what that was. Take one minute to share. <laughs> Thank you very much. So just with an honest raise of hands, how many of you had one or more other thoughts than the one you tried to focus on? Okay, <laughs> Okay. that was a tension deficit trait for sure. Who would like to share one thing that happens? No need to be shy. <laughs> so, I thought of, um, my thought was attention matters, um, and was so only, i oh, sorry, sorry, so my, my thought was attention matters, um, and I was repeating that to myself as I was trying to focus on it, and then as you brought us back to the room, I realized that I was actually already thinking about some other thoughts which were completely unrelated, so I was thinking about somebody I met in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Random, yes, very good. So a good example of this train of thoughts. We think about one thing and just naturally our thoughts just in some weird random way develops into something else. Researchers have found we have around 80,000 thoughts every day, 80,000 thoughts. And 99% of them are completely repetitive and completely random, by the way. So what's happening up here, we might feel we are in control, but closing our eyes like this, we realize Hey, we're not in control. If we're not in control, we can't, with a model before that looked like an onion, we can't understand ourselves and we can't manage ourselves, whereby we can't understand and lead other people and thereby understand and lead our organization. Thanks, good example. What else? Someone else. Hello. Oh, hello. Um, so very similar, actually, I was thinking about attention. <laughs> so I was trying to focus on the word um, and thinking about um, sort of being with the word. And then as we were starting to come towards the end, I started to go from being into to doing. So what was I going to do? And starting to think about your, your sort of chain. Um, So interestingly, just linking back to this morning, sort of going from being to doing Mm. and sort of wanting to take some action. Right. um, I think that's what I struggle with personally, just wanting to move it on. Yes. (laughs) So not just sort of sitting with it for a while. Absolutely. And that's a tendency that is coming out of attention deficit trait is this sense of action addiction. Like how many of you are... Involuntarily checking your phones for messages or stuff during the day. Yeah. How many of you would say that doing that is genuinely bringing you more happiness and more performance? <laughs> <laughs> so, a sense of action addiction is just basically we're wired for getting more dopamine in our brain because it feels gratifying. Doing things in general makes us feel like we are doing something as useless as it may be. Tara talked about Stephen Covey this morning getting your big rocks in place, but we keep chasing small Stupid (laughs) activities like not being able to sit still and just do one thing But wanting to go on to something else. Yeah, very typical Did anybody ever else have that urgency of kind of thinking about what's coming next or doing something? You're not the only one so it's a little bit ironic because the past is gone and we spend a lot of time ruminating the past and the future has not yet arrived. We spend a lot of time planning for it and the only thing that we really have is right now and then we're missing out on it. And when we're not in the present, we're completely missing out of being engaging with the people we have to engage. We're completely missing out of being focused on the task at hand. We're completely missing out of understanding ourselves whereby we can understand other people and our cultures. So without mindfulness, we're basically losing out. It's a little bit like this person up here, Monday morning, sitting at work, really focused on an email, but the mind is actually thinking about, when can I go home? And finally coming home. Oh, sorry. Finally coming home and then wanting to go on vacation and finally on vacation, thinking back at work. Our mind is just so unruly. It's so unmastered in general. Sorry if I'm offending anybody, but this is really what it is. This is the human mind, and especially in the paid reality with attention deficit traits. The good news, though, is it can be trained. We can be better at paying more attention. We can be more focused. We can be more present. Research is called it neuroplasticity. It's the fact that our brain is changing every second, constantly reshaping itself according to how we use it. So basically for every moment that you're paying attention, and all of you seem to be paying attention right now, what is happening within your brain is that you're rewiring yourself. Physical connections are created within your brain associated with paying attention. So the more often you pay attention to anything, the stronger your attentional muscle will become. And the stronger it gets, the more you can pay attention to anything you want to pay attention to. As a leader, pay attention to the people you're leading. Pay attention to your own self. Pay attention to the task at hand. So you can train it, and that's great, thing, great news. And mindfulness, just in a really short definition, is learning to manage our attention, learning to manage this crazy monkey mind of ours so that we can be with the task at hand, be with the person in, in front of us. Pay attention, be present. Does it make sense? So, mindfulness is really a very simple way of training the mind, the brain of the muscle, or the brain of the, the muscle of the brain is basically training our mind to be more attentive, more present, more focused. Make sense? So, with that, I would like to do a short practice and then move from there into so, how do some of the great leaders in the world develop this for themselves? But first, I'll just guide you through what I will call an ABCD practice. First of all, in a moment, I'll guide you to sit comfortably, then to focus on your breath, just to have something to anchor your attention on, then to count your breathing because that makes it easier to stay with it, and finally, to deal with distractions in a a kind, friendly way. We'll do it for about four or five minutes, so not too long, not too short. So I'll invite you to start closing your eyes and finding a comfortable posture where your both feet are on the ground, sitting with a grounded balance, not leaning to either side, not leaning too much towards the back, sitting with a straight back, breathe through the nose, allow your shoulder, your neck, your arms to relax, And generally let the whole body just surrender to gravity. And then direct your full attention to your breath, specifically at your belly. So notice the experience of your belly rising as you're breathing in and falling as you're breathing out. Simply paying attention. No need to control it, no need to manipulate it. Let the breath do its work. And to help you keep on track with the breath, at the end of each out-breath count, so first out-breath one, second two, count up to 10 when you reach 10, Go backwards down to one again. And then finally, anything that may distract you, any sound, any thought, any bodily sensation, just become aware that you were distracted. And with a bit of gratitude to the distraction for actually reminding you, hey pal, you're off track simply let go of the distraction and return your full attention to the breath. So maintaining an ongoing flow of attention to the breath, counting at the out breath and letting go of any distraction, returning back to the breath again. And now in your own pace, let go of the practice, open your eyes and return attention to this room. So through this very simple practice of mindfulness, not only do we enhance our ability to focus, and tons of research has found that that is the case. With our clients, we have found that a average of 30% increase in ability to focus happens within five weeks. So it's not like we need a lot of this 10 minutes a day, five days a week is actually enough. That's the focus part. The other one is the awareness parts, the self-awareness. And as we're sitting in silence, that's actually where we learn most about ourselves. That is where we develop our self-awareness. We start to understand when we're hungry, if we're tired, if we're angry, if there are great ideas that we haven't thought of that suddenly pops up. So I would like to ask you to take one minute to write two things on a piece of paper in front of you. First one is one thing you learned about yourself that you were not aware of before this practice. One thing that you learned throughout these five minutes. And the other thing is, one thing that was really challenging about sitting still for five minutes. So please take one minute, write those two things. All right, so while some people have finished writing, would anybody like to share one thing that you learned about yourself? Yes, please. That actually is difficult to sit there for five minutes to give you mm-hmm. yourself some time. And was that a surprise, that it was difficult to sit there? Yeah. Yeah, just that it was difficult to sit there for five minutes and give yourself that time. But yeah. when you are focused and the, the distractions that you do get, you can actually push them out. Yeah. But it is, it's a practice. Yeah. And you can actually see the benefit of yeah. giving yourself that time that yeah. you actually can push the distractions away. Great. Very good. Good insight. Thank you. Thank you. Someone else, what did you learn about yourself? Um, I think it's as well how many things I'm actually thinking without realizing I'm thinking them. Yeah. So when you stop and are silent, you realize that subconsciously there's so much happening in the back of your brain. Right. Exactly. There's so much happening in the backdrop of our attention. Things that we are not aware of. And if you start to notice this in your daily life, the more you start to notice what's going on in there, you also start to notice that sometimes when you get upset, sometimes when you get sad, Sometimes we just think that that kind of happens just like on its own, there's nothing that's really causing it. And we're feeling that that's just part of the human condition, that sometimes I get sad, sometimes I get upset, sometimes I get this, sometimes I get that. But there's always a cause behind it. Those things don't arise from nothing. And the more we learn to observe what's going on in there, the more we start to notice what is making us upset, what is making us happy, What is making us angry? What is creating our mind state moment to moment? We basically start to get a monitor into that, whereby we can start to understand ourselves and lead ourselves. And the more we understand ourselves, the more we start to understand other people because other people have exactly the same thing. We're very universal in that sense. So this introspection, this self-awareness is really what allows us to become better leaders in leading others. It's a good thing. Thank you for sharing. So researchers basically have found that there is this prefrontal takeover happening in the brain when we do mindfulness practice. What we normally perceive reality through, and I'm not sure uh, you can see this one, if if, if we're just walking around in life slightly stressed, the limbic system and the default network down the big yellow one there, that is the way that we perceive reality through fight and flight, through threat and rewards through all the mechanisms that was put into our brain when we were reptiles running around and just trying to survive. But what research has found is the more we do mindfulness practice, our prefrontal cortex, which is right here at the front of our head, is taking over, which is a great thing because that's our executive function. That is where we are enabled to make conscious decisions moment by moment, where we have introspection, where we understand ourselves and we are more deliberate in what we do moment to moment. So it's an incredibly powerful and important technique and skill to have. So what I would like to share is how this comes across for a few leaders that that we have talked to over the past years, and uh, put a few conversations to you guys as well. So first of all, we've come to a conclusion that in today's corporate world, It is not survival of the fittest, but survival of the focused. With this whole attention deficit trait, what we saw in our research was a direct correlation between people's ability to be focused and their rank in the organization, which is very counter to how our brains were created because when we were reptiles and running around, we were actually surviving by being distracted Rattling in the bush would mean that there was a danger coming up. Even when we were just 10,000 years ago sitting in front of the bonfire and there was a sound behind us, getting distracted was actually a good thing. So we needed to be distracted all the time to survive. But nowadays, it is focus that helps us to survive and to thrive because there are no imminent life threats in our work. But there is a real need to stay focused on the task at hand and stay present with the people. So that was an interesting correlation that we saw. And the CEO of, of uh, Heineken, the big brewery, basically said, my, my role does not allow for a lack of focus. I can't afford to be distracted. I must be on point. I have trained my focus, for, focus while at work for 15 years, moment to moment. I feel the brain is like a muscle and exercise it all the time. So when you come under the sense of pressure that he has, there are basically two ways you can go. Either you go distracted, turning into stress, and often into burnout. Or you really train yourself to be with it, and then that enhances your ability to be focused. That's what Jean-Francois experienced. When I came to meet him in, in Amsterdam, it was a really interesting experience. I came into the office, his EA came and just kind of stopped me. He was standing having a conversation with someone that I later realized was a legal counsel. What I was also told was that they were just having a conversation about something that could actually take down Heineken. So it was a very important conversation. So I walked to them and kind of stood as in a small triangle. And in an instant, he switched from this conversation that could basically be very detrimental for Heineken He switched 100% to me and he was fully focused. We had never met before. He said, oh, hello, Rasmus, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So going with that sense of mental agility from something that is basically threatening your organization to something else that you know you have to pay attention to, is an extreme level of attention and attentional agility that you need to have in that kind of job. If you don't, you're simply not gonna survive. Does it make sense? I'm not saying that all leaders are like that. I think there are some really very known world leaders nowadays that are not like that, like maybe on the other side of the Atlantic. But many of the people that we interviewed had that stellar sense of focus, really, really, really present. Another great one, Dominic Barton from McKinsey. He has this ridiculous regimen. He is traveling 240 days uh, a year. He very rarely sleeps more than two days in the same bed, obviously. He's constantly on the road. Every breakfast for him is a meeting. Every lunch is a meeting. And every dinner is a meeting. He basically never really has time for himself except for when he sleeps. That's like really, really, really tough. He says, if I bring a past situation into a current meeting. I'm not present with people. I'm not getting anything from that. And I'm not able to give them what they need. I need to be 100% present. Otherwise, I'm missing out on data. I'm missing out on client engagement. I'm missing out on engaging the people that I'm leading. So I must have that sense of presence. And when you are with a person like him, You feel it, and I've spent quite a lot of time with him. He's constantly, constantly, constantly paying full attention. Never wavering. It's impressive. What I would like you to do now is to take two minutes in small pairs and do a little exercise of really paying attention to the other. So there's an A and a B. A is the most pretty one of you. You decide what that means. And the pretty one have to tell how he got or she got up this morning, came here, and what you've gotten out of the day so far. So basically just elaborate on your experience of this day up until today, up up until this moment. Person B, the less pretty, sorry, (laughs) have to just listen really attentively, really pay attention. Make sure afterwards that you could recall almost every single word of that conversation. And while you're doing that, notice if there's any urge in you to have another conversation with someone that is more interesting in the room. (laughs) Sorry. Or maybe an urge to look at your phone for something that might be more interesting. Or if there's any judgment coming up in your mind. So just notice what is going on for you as you're sitting there and just paying full attention. Is it clear? Right, so go for it, A and B. (laughs) All right, thank you. So it was interesting to observe the sound in the room when I handed over to you, there was just a sense of the first like 10 seconds of like slightly nervous excitement. Did you notice that? A lot of noise in the room. And then after like five, 10 seconds, whoom, and you all became very present, it seemed. So for those of you that were person A, so the pretty, pretty ones. <laughs> How was it to be able to sit there for these two minutes and simply share something and someone was really paying attention? Really nice, yeah. Really nice, it's nice to be listened to, we want to be heard. No matter what the situation is, if somebody's sitting like this and looking the other way in a conversation, it doesn't feel nice, right? So again to you A's, What did the other person do to make you feel hurt? What worked well? What did he or she do? Body language, intonation, facial expressions. What did he or she do to really present that he or she was present? Eye contact. contact. And say something more specific, eye contact and? Eye contact and just facial expression is very open. Right, yeah. What does present eyes look like? Right. And did they like flicker a bit or was it just? No, no, it it wasn't that intense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So eye contact, yes. What else? It's the nonverbal, it's the nodding. The nonverbal. You know, sort of, you're aware that the person is following you. Yes. Or with you on the story. Yeah. Or on the journey. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of talking about empathy this morning, which is exactly putting yourself in the shoes of the one you have a conversation with. Yeah. And you feel that, right? Yeah, you do feel it. Great. Thank you. I was just going to add, I think the fact that my partner didn't say anything at all was very... uh, yeah, noticeable and also you know, that we often in conversations, we want to add our own version of events or our own perspective on the story, but she was intensely listening and that was really nice. Great. Good experience. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What did person B do or maybe not do that he, she could have done that would not have felt your hurt? any kind of body language, anything that could have been put into the situation that would just have made you feel, ah, he, she is not present. Nobody dares to offend person B. How is it having a conversation with someone sitting like this? It's not great, right? Someone that is looking over your shoulder while you're talking. Someone where you can almost see their eyes and their mind going to their phone. So then person B, what happened for you in these few minutes? What did you observe in terms of your ability to be present and just listening? What did you observe with yourself? Just There's a microphone here, and then we'll go to you. Thank Is you. It on? um I was just I was conscious of the urge to interrupt um and uh, I kind of had to hold back and um it felt almost unnatural though that there wasn't a kind of a banter conversation, and I'd be interested to talk about it in that the natural way would be to converse right and I was consciously kind of holding back and listening, yeah. so I found that breathing kind of helped with that to take yeah. a breath, helped yeah. me to yeah. resist that urge, so. yeah. Great, okay. So, resisting the urge to intervene, yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm just gonna say there's a a temptation to ask questions, or I found a temptation to ask questions or to comment or agree or something. Yeah, which is obviously not a problem at all. That can just be a sign of, I'm really interested, I wanna learn more. And it's a matter of finding that balance so that it doesn't become your story or your guidance, but it's actually the person that you're having the conversation with. Yeah, great. All right. So really being present when you're with people makes a huge difference. Research have found that when you're present with someone, you're synchronizing both mentally, but also physically with those people because of what is called mirror neurons, your ability to mirror the people that you're with. So presence in leadership, really, really important. To be really present, it's very useful to be aware of the pattern that we all have of our attention. If you would think of a normal day from, let's say, 7 to 10, 7 morning, 10 p.m., what is your peak in terms of when you're most focused, most present? In the morning. Yeah. Morning, yeah, okay. When would you say that you are least present, least focused? Afternoon, afternoon. yeah, okay. So you're Fairly average, so absolutely at eight o'clock is where people rate themselves as being most present, most focused. And afternoon, after lunch and the body's digesting and we're getting tired, That's the time when we're least focused and least present. This is what our research found. And this is actually really interesting and important because that is something that should that should help us to educate. When do we do what activities during the day? When do you have your most important meetings? When do you have the really challenging conversations? When do you do emails? And if we look at eight o'clock, that's like prime time to do really important things. How many of you are doing emails at eight (laughs) o'clock? Most of us do, right? And it's such a waste of mind. Not only is it a waste of fantastic mental capacity, it's also a waste in the sense that the moment we dive into emails, we become very detail-oriented and very focused on what happened yesterday because all the stuff that came in last night So really starting the day with emails is not a great strategy. So think about this and think about how you plan your day. Make sure you do the bulk of emails in the afternoon where you're kind of not at the greatest mind anyway. Also consider what external and internal factors impact your attention and your focus. I don't think you can really read what it says at the bottom, can you? Okay. This Okay, <laughs> I won't go into details with this now. I'll just say really basically, when we have negative mind states like anger, desire, overwhelm, our focus goes radically down. We feel we are more focused. We are not. Tara talked this morning about joy. When we have joy, when we have compassion, kindness for others, our focus goes up incredibly. In terms of... Physical things like when we're relaxed, we're more focused. When we have enough sleep, obviously we're more focused. Good nutrition makes us more focused. Good exercise. Coffee does not make us more focused. Is that a surprise to anybody? Yeah. So coffee is suppressing our sleepiness, making us feel more fresh. But what it really does, it is scattering our focus. There's been done fantastic, fascinating research on, on spiders. So you take spiders who are making these, normally these very, very symmetric, beautiful spider webs. Then you give them LSD, and it looks like really weird. You give them sugar, it looks a little bit dispersed. You give them coffee, and it's just kind of out of sync. And you've done the same thing with people not doing spider webs, but just having them focus, and it's really hard after coffee. Counterintuitive. So think about when you drink coffee or if you drink coffee. Alcohol goes without saying. All right, touch points. The former CEO of uh, Campbell Soup, one of the largest food producers in the world, he had this whole principle of touch points. He would make sure to be physically and mentally present with people every day. Well, not with everybody because he had 70,000 employees, but he did two things. He would deliberately spend one hour every day just walking through the offices, no agenda, and simply checking in with people, making sure that he memorized their names, their family names, just really showing that he was interested. That was one thing he called the touch points. The other thing was writing emails and messages to people in the organization that had a tough time. So simply just being present. And what happened to Campbell soup was they were turned from a really strong downturn to their best years ever while he was there. Whether that was touch points or not, nobody knows, obviously. But he made a whole philosophy out of this and is now preaching this to to leaders all over the world. Very, very inspiring. A book called Touch Points. Last thing that I'll just say, and then we'll open up for Q&A, is do less, be more with a quote of, and we got this again and again from many conversations, but this quote I like particularly. Many situations simply need an ear, not action. Oftentimes problems don't need solutions. They need presence and time. Confucius, the Chinese philosopher, he said something around the lines of 80% of problems are solved best by not doing anything. 80% of problems just don't do anything. And the same when people come to you with challenges, which is what you get when you're a leader. It's like there's this this inverted gravity of problems. They kind of go upwards and they always end up your desk. People coming with problems. Oftentimes you need to just listen, not solve, listen. Listen, 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 and they will solve it themselves. Ask a few good questions. To do less, be more. Like, be really present. These are some of the things, some of the tools, some of the tricks that we found through the research. And I'll let it up to David to do a big Q&A. Thank you, Rasmus. Thank you very much for that session, that was brilliant.